Well, good morning. So good to see you this morning. So good to see some more faces every week. Listen, um, this online thing is great, right? Like, my wife finally took some of your advice. She left me last Sunday. <laughs> yeah, she really did. She left me, and, um, but she's begging now to come home on Tuesday. <laughs> now, she's in Nebraska with her sisters. They should be watching online. So, hi, I am at work, just in case you want to know. But uh, it's great. They're spending time with their dad who has Parkinson's and dementia because her mom took our grandkids for a free trip to Alaska. So how cool is that? Yeah, and so her and her two sisters are spending time with their dad, just the three girls and him, which hadn't happened since the 70s, just the four of them. So that's kind of cool. So uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm making it. I'm making it. How many of you, how many of you have done some renovation or some remodeling in your house in the last, let's say, year? Okay, how many of you are still married and you did that? <laughs> Let me tell you about a friend of ours. Um, I'm not going to tell you who they are just to protect the guilty or the innocent, whatever you want to say. But anyway, they, we, had, we were over at their house not too many months ago. Uh, we stopped by. They live in a different community, but within driving distance of Adrian, right? And they, were, they had bought a house, and they were remodeling it. And uh, so they were talking to us about all the stuff that they had already done, and then said, here's what we have left to do. And one of the last things they were going to do was rip up all the old flooring, right, and put in some nice new hardwood flooring and some carpet in a couple of places and all of that. You know how that goes. So they had samples and stuff all around. And uh, then we got news, right, Facebook, right, or whatever, connected and said, hey, they showed some pictures, and I'm like, oh, wow, they got it all done, the floors look great, the carpet looks great, the walls, the way they decorate it was really cool, right? And then now, about two or three weeks later, I stumbled on some other, uh, a story that the wife had written about the remodeling project, and I, it was just, it was very interesting. So picture this. So they did this, they bought this house, they remodeled, they got all, everything all done. And uh, she goes to uh, the grocery store, drives to Adrian one day to get groceries, all that. No big deal. Her husband's at work. She comes back home. She has all of her groceries. She opens up the back door and she smells this smell. She's like, what is that? You know, new carpet, new flooring smell. She said it wasn't that smell. So she goes on to say it didn't take her long to walk in and discover what had happened. While she was at the store, in their brand new remodeled house, the dog, <laughs> good thing my wife's not here. She said, you can't do that. But anyway, I'm going to do that. The dog had diarrhea. And the dog had an accident in their house, their newly remodeled house. That's not the worst of it. The worst of it is, yes, the smell is bad, but you know what made it even worse? They had a Roomba. Yeah, somebody you know what a Roomba is. One of those vacuum cleaners that is a it does its own thing. It goes all over your house. Well, Roomba had turned on after the dog had diarrhea. And so this Roomba did what Roombas do. It went from place to place and room to room and under the places it could go and all around. And it gladly spread dog diarrhea on their newly remodeled floors. <laughs> All I can say is, glad it was them. 
Can I tell you when it comes to today's topic that most of us in this room and most of you watching have a lot in common with that? Because some of us, for years and years and years, has been dragging some stuff around with us everywhere we go, into every environment that we go, making mess after mess after mess. And get this, we blame others, we act like it doesn't exist, we blame the dog, we blame somebody else. I'm talking about unforgiveness. Today I'm going to drop the F-bomb. Because we need to hear about this. Because a lot of us, without even realizing it, are dragging around the collateral damage that comes from unforgiveness. We don't even realize it. For some of us, we've done it so long, and it's causing damage everywhere we go. We're damaging ourselves, we're damaging friends, we're damaging people that we care about. It's messing us up in a big, big way, and it's keeping us from the life that God wants us to live. We're dealing with things unnecessarily. And so today, we're going to talk about that. If you would, take out your message outlines. You can follow along, fill in the blanks as you go. Those of you that are in person, you get a chance. For those of you that are home, you can download that at, on our website. I've discovered something about forgiveness. It's the real F word, by the way. Unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. I, I mean, think about this. To forgive doesn't come natural. It certainly doesn't to me. I don't think it comes natural to you either. You would do it. When someone hurts me, when someone hurts someone that I love, when someone does something against me or someone that I care about, do me wrong, I tend to hold a grudge. My human nature and the way I'm wired is, I want to get them back. When someone comes along and says, oh, you should forgive them, I say you should go away. Right? Because I don't like that. It flies in the face of everything I'm about. But here's what I know about you. I don't know your exact story, but I know you've been hurt. I know you've been betrayed. I know someone has hurt you or hurt people that you love. And some of you are thinking about that person or that situation right now. Who comes to your mind? Don't say it out loud, but I want you to get them in your mind. For some of you, you're like, been there already. As soon as you talked about that, this thing popped up. Keep them in your mind. For some, it could be an ex-spouse, it could be a parent, it could be a coach, it could be a neighbor, it could have been a family friend, it could have been an uncle, an aunt, a co-worker, someone you went to school with. But who comes to your mind that you struggle to forgive? That it may have happened a year ago or 10 years or 20 or 30 years ago, but you could still talk about it today as if it just happened. In your mind, it's that clear. Can I tell you if you can't, that's a problem. And you're not the only one with that problem. Do you realize that when we refuse to forgive, when we harbor this unforgiveness, do you know what we're doing? 
What we're really saying to this person that hurt us or someone we love so bad is you control me. You control me. Do you know for the last 10 years, you've controlled me? I'm, I'm like the Xbox and you're the controller. You make me go this way or that way. Listen, what you did to me in, in many ways, you're still doing to me because of unforgiveness. Huh. That really rubs me. Doesn't it you? It should. That someone else can control us that we, we don't even really care for because of what they did to us. And it happened years ago, but we're still struggling with it because of unforgiveness. Listen, I've lived that way before. I'm a fellow struggler, and it's no way to live. Can I just tell you that? Years ago, a person hurt me, hurt my family. And for a year, a good solid year, I was tied up with this unforgiveness. And I said, listen, I'm going to get this guy back. Quite honestly, if I'm being honest, there were times I wanted to pray that what would happen to this man is what happened to that dog with the Roomba. <laughs> Until one day, something supernatural happened to me. And I say supernaturally because this isn't natural. It doesn't come in a human way because I'm wired exactly opposite of that. But something that God had to do in me that freed me up. And I'm going to share that with you today, but not yet. So let's pick up a story here. Matthew chapter 18, you can read this whole chapter later, this whole story, and I pray that you will. Uh, it's a great, great text. Jesus had been talking about this whole subject of forgiveness and unforgiveness, and he'd, he'd been talking about this real F word. And he's talking to Simon Peter, one of his disciples, and, and check this out. Obviously, Simon Peter was a human being, so he was struggling. He had had issues like those of us in this room and watching have issues because that's what human beings do. We hurt each other, intentionally, unintentionally. It happens. So he's been talking about this subject. Somebody obviously had messed him around, Peter, and so he's thinking about all this stuff, and so Jesus, as he's talking about, Peter's all ears because, hey, he's talking about something I can relate to. I want to hear what he's got to say. And so... As he hears Jesus talking, he finally says something to Jesus. And I think this is interesting because Peter did what a lot of us have done. I know I've done this. And that is make a lot of assumptions about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do when it comes to forgiveness or unforgiveness. Because some of us, we've drawn lines. We're like, well, I don't care what you say. I am not going there. Be careful. So check out this question that he asks in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Can we just clear this up? It doesn't matter if it's your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, a neighbor, a parent, a coworker. It's everybody. So don't, my brother's not the one I'm mad at. Don't go there. That's not what he's saying. How many times should I forgive him when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, let me give you some context here. Peter is kind of trying to show off, if you will. Because as a disciple, right, he's wanting to show Jesus how committed he is, how loaded in he is, and he comes along and he says, listen, I'm, I'm basically trying to show you how spiritual I am, Jesus, because 
like seven times? I mean, like, wouldn't that be phenomenal? Now, to you and I, it's like, okay, why seven? Like, what's the big deal with seven? Well, he made some assumptions about forgiveness. You see, back in that day, to be kind of a legal way, they would say, listen, the law would require you to forgive, like three times. You could forgive somebody like up to three times. And so Simon Peter was like going way up and above that, like trying to impress Jesus. Like, hey, how many times? I know some people would say three, but how about seven? Like that's two times plus. You see, a lot of us misunderstand forgiveness. We think that when we give somebody forgiveness, it's taking them off the hook. That if I forgive you for what you did, and you didn't even say you were sorry, that, that why would I let you off the hook? Like, I don't even think you're sorry. You haven't even asked me for forgiveness, so why would I do that for you? I don't even know if you're sorry for what you did, but you certainly haven't said anything to me. Because we have a false assumption about what forgiveness is. You see, forgiveness doesn't let them off the hook. It doesn't say what they did is okay. Forgiveness gets you off the hook. It helps you more than it helps the person you're forgiven. Unforgiveness is like punching somebody and punching yourself in the face and hoping you hurt the other person. Now, who would do that? But we do it with unforgiveness. Before Jesus answers his question, how many times? How about seven? He launches in, Jesus does in a typical fashion, and he tells a story. And I'm paraphrasing the story. You can go back and read the rest of chapter 18. We'll jump back in to the real story in just a second. But basically, he was saying, hey, there's a wealthy king, Peter. There's this wealthy king. The guy is rolling in the money, right? He's got everything at his fingertips, he can just speak and it happens. He's got all the things, anything that money could buy. And let's say that he's doing his accounting, the person doing his books, and they meet together one day and he said, hey, there's this one guy, king, that owes you like money, like a lot of money, like a lot of people have borrowed money, but like this guy owes you quite a bit of money. And he decides to call this guy in. Now here's what's interesting. If you read through the scripture, depending on what version of the Bible, it'll talk about denarii or whatever different amounts of money, right? And you're like, that doesn't really mean anything. So I'm putting it in today's language. Whatever this amount he owned, owed in that day to the king, if we bring it to today, they estimate it being roughly $10 million. Can we all agree that's a pretty good chunk of change? $10 million. If you don't think that's a big deal, I'd like to talk to you after church today. But he owes this king $10 million, and so the king calls him in to his palatial office, and he says, listen, today is payday. Not like you get paid, but like you pay up today. I need the money. Where's my money? And you know what the servant did? <laughs> did probably what I would do. Look at Matthew 18, verse 26. By the way, back then, you couldn't file chapter 11, chapter 13. You were in serious trouble if you couldn't pay up. They had a lot of power. The, the person that you owed money to had a lot of power that could big time affect your life. But here's what the servant says, verse 26. Oh, be patient with me, he begged. Can you imagine? I'd be begging. I'm not ashamed to admit. If I owed $10 million, knowing what the king could do, that the king could put me in prison until I paid, that the king could take my whole family and put them under, under arrest because I owed them money, he, so he begs him, 
and he fell on his knees, and he says, I'll pay back everything. I mean, I promise you, I'm good for it. I know it's a lot of money. I'll do whatever I can do, to, but don't put me in jail. Don't have me killed. Don't have my family locked up. Now, this king had every right to get this guy put in prison. He could have had him tortured. Could have had his whole family sold, put on the auction block. But this wealthy king does something that seems out of this world crazy. Check it out, verse 27. The servant's master, the king, took pity on him and he canceled the debt and let him go. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine you owe $10 million? You just got a mortgage. You owe a couple of hundred thousand dollars. The bank calls you one day because you missed a month's payment and says, hey, where's our money? I don't have the money, but we're working, we're trying, we got laid off, we're this, we're that. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to write it off. Your house is yours. That's not even close to $10 million, but that's what happens. His debt has been canceled. The king who he owes the money right from the horse's mouth, it's taken off the books. <laughs> Can you imagine what you'd feel like that day? Like a weight has been lifted off like the great, you can't even imagine anything better than that. That's what happens. The story continues. <laughs> this man leaves the king's office. He, you got to believe he's flying on cloud nine. I can't believe it. Wait till I go home. I tell my family, listen, don't worry. They're not gonna, you're not going to be sold. Don't worry. I'm not going to prison. The king could have, but he didn't. And let me tell you what he did. He didn't just give us some more time. He took $10 million and he wrote it off. On his way home, he finds a guy that was a buddy, kind of an acquaintance of his, maybe a coworker, and the guy owed him some money. Best as they can say in today's language, it would be about eleven dollars. <laughs> yeah, ten million just written off. This here's a guy, and you, you, I gotta tell you what happens. Of course, you're gonna, you think he's gonna run up to this guy and say, "Hey, buddy, let me tell you, dude." That 11 bucks, I know you kind of been dodging me. No big deal, man. I owed $10 million to the king. He just forgave it. It's not what the guy does. The guy goes up to his acquaintance, owes him 11 bucks. He grabs him by the nap of the collar, gets right in his face and says, where's my money? Are you kidding me? Where's my money? You better pay up. You owe me $11. No joke. This is Jesus' story. And you know what he does to the guy? The guy said, I don't have the money. I don't have the money. I'll, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. He has him thrown in jail. <laughs> now, if you're like me, you're like, who in the heck is that stupid? <laughs> Be careful. I'm about to tell you. This story isn't just for them, it's for us. Well, the word gets back to the king of what had happened to this man that he just forgave $10 million. And he was mad. He was going, are you kidding me? The same guy that was just in my office that I forgave $10 million, he just had a guy arrested and put in prison that owes him $11? 
So we pick up the story in Matthew 18, verse 32 through 34. Then the master called the servant back in. The servant he had just forgiven the 10 million. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours, $10 million, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. <laughs> Who in the world could be that foolish? You and I. That's what happens in our lives with this forgiveness and unforgiveness. If you've given your life to Christ, do you know that that means all that you should be guilty of has been wiped clean? Because Jesus put all of what you did wrong and I did wrong on himself on the cross and was tortured and shed his blood so that your sins and mine, all our evil doings could be paid for. And then he gave us not because we earned it or deserve it. He gave us credit for his perfect life, even though we didn't qualify for a perfect life. He forgave us of everything we've done or will ever do wrong. And when we harbor unforgiveness to someone else, we're treating them like the man that was forgiven 10 million going after somebody for 11 bucks. We're glad recipients of what God did, but we're not going to pass it on because we're going to decide who deserves it. I don't deserve to be forgiven, but it didn't stop Jesus from dying for me. Who am I then to hold somebody accountable for what Jesus doesn't hold me accountable for? Look at the next verse, this verse, verse 35. I wish this verse was not in the Bible. Honestly, no joke. I wish I could take some white out. I wish I could take a marker and get it out of my Bible because it messes me up. And if it messes me up, it might mess you up too. Here's what Jesus, how he summarized the story. And I'm sure at this point, Simon Peter's going, whew, why did I bring that subject up? This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You see, this man in the story had been a recipient. He experienced forgiveness, but it hadn't penetrated his heart. It was very evident because what he'd received graciously from the king, he didn't pass along to a guy that owed him $11. If you're a Christ follower, listen, you've received it. You've received forgiveness from Jesus Christ. You have. But if you've only experienced it in your head and not in your heart, you won't share it with other people. You'll withhold from them what Jesus didn't withhold from you. If we harbor unforgiveness towards others, listen, we are missing the boat. We don't give it for them. We don't give it because they're sorry. We don't give it because they ask. We don't give it to them because they beg. We give it because it's been given to us and it frees us up. You know, God wants the best for you. 
Do you know that? He's really for you. God wants the best for me. That's why he's telling this story. He wants us as believers, as people that have given our lives to Christ, of all people, we should know about forgiveness. We should know about it being something you can't purchase, you can't buy. You don't necessarily even deserve it. You don't. But he offers it through Christ. So when you and I choose, choose, even though it rubs us the wrong way, when we choose to give others forgiveness because we first received it, I pray you'll never think of forgiveness and unforgiveness without thinking about this story of $10 million versus $11. That we're being like and have a character quality like Jesus. Now, remember Peter's question to Jesus, kind of in a pious way? How many times should I forgive? Like seven? Like I know three is like a big deal, but how about seven? <laughs> Here's what Jesus says, verse 22. Simon Peter, you're talking about seven times. Well, <laughs> I say not seven, Jesus answered, but 70 times seven. Now, if you're quick with math like me, you're like, that's 490 times. Are you kidding me? Peter thought he was shooting out a big number, Jesus. How about seven? Jesus said, no, how about 70 times seven? And just in case you don't figure this out yet, that doesn't mean 490, and you make a list, and you check them off every time they do it, right? Like, for some of us, we'd be like, you're like at 478 right now. I'm about done with you. Let me tell you how odd this is in our culture. How many, and listen, how many have ever thought this? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. No, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. In other words, you don't let people get to you over and over and over and over and over. That's not what Jesus is saying. Now, I'm not saying just be a doormat. That's not what I'm saying. Don't be foolish over and over and over and over and over. But you know how many times you forgive somebody? Because people are going to do something to you the rest of your life. Somebody's going to do it. And you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. Listen, you can get so angry at them, I'm just not going to, then keep punching yourself in the face and see how much you hurt them. Some of you have been punching yourself in the face for years and years and years, and you haven't even seen the person for years and years and years. They don't even know that you're hurting. <laughs> I'm going to keep punching me, and I hope I hurt them wherever they are. See how that works for you. It's easy for you to say, Pastor, you don't even know what's happened to me. You don't know my story. You don't know what my father did to me. You don't know what my mother did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what my uncle did. You don't know what my coach did, a family friend, a neighbor. You have no idea how bad they hurt me. You're telling me I should forgive them for what they did? Are you kidding me? To minimize what? No, 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 not to minimize what they did. You're not punishing them by not forgiving. You're punishing you. And of all the people on the planet, listen, you know you more than anybody other than God. You and I are the ones that deserve to be punished by a God that's holy and perfect for all that we've done. And yet he took that punishment and put it on his one and only son so that we wouldn't have to. So we could experience forgiveness, total cleansing, total forgiveness. 
Who are we in turn to receive that and not willingly pass it out to someone else? The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. You can recite it. It wasn't really designed to be recited, although that's perfectly fine. The disciples were asking Jesus, how do we pray? And he lays out the Lord's Prayer as a way to pray, things to include in a prayer, if you will. And one of those verses, I'm not going to go through that whole thing, but one of those in statements, which is found in Matthew 6, 12, it says we should confess our sins to the Father. I love that. And then let me read what he says in verse 12. And forgive us our debts. Let's stop right there for just a second. I'm pretty good at that part. Forgive us of our debts. I, I don't know about you, but when I go to bed or sometime during the day, I recognize, listen, I've done things wrong. I've said things I shouldn't have said. Did all those things, right? But I kind of like, I'm tired at the end of the day, right? And there's been many times I'm like, okay, I know I want to ask for forgiveness. I've, it's already been paid for. It's not about that. It's just about acknowledging to God that I know I did some things wrong. And so often when I pray when I go to bed, I'll just say, God, forgive me of all my sins today. I feel pretty good about that. It's kind of, I lump them all in one thing. and God, I'm not even sure all the stuff I did, but I know I did some things wrong. Will you forgive me of those? I don't like and tenderly, tend not to generally make a list and go through my head and say, wow, God, would you forgive me for that today? You know what, when I said that to that person or did that, ooh, yeah, that wasn't good. And then I just say, forgive me of my sins. Thank you, right? Amen. But this next two letters, forgive us our debts as. Would you circle that? As. Two letters, as. Forgive us our debts, Father, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Isn't it interesting now with Matthew 18 that he's using the word debt? $10 million, you've been forgiven. What about $11? No way, you're going to jail. Forgive us our debts, our $10 million, as we forgive our debtors. Do it in the same way, God. Really, is that what you want to say? If God's forgiven me, how in the world can I withhold it from somebody else? How dare me? And Jesus says, listen, the way you forgive others is the way I'm going to forgive your debts. Whew. Let's revisit Matthew 18. The master is Jesus Christ, God. That's God. The king is God. And the servant who's been greatly forgiven, listen, it's you and me. We're the ones with the $10 million debt and beyond. So the big question is, is knowing that we, if you've given your life to Christ, you've been forgiven of so much, what are you going to do with it? Are, are you going to just pass out the forgiveness? Like, because you've received it like you're so, I can't believe. Listen, nobody, nobody knows how bad of a sinner I am and God's forgiven me. So who am I to put you in jail for 11 bucks? To choose not to forgive once you've been forgiven doesn't even make sense. And just so you're clear, if you choose not to, every day you choose not to, just know that you're the Zumba that you're firing up, the Roomba. 
Here you go again. Everywhere I go, spreading it all over. Why? You're not hurting anybody but yourself. God says, haven't you suffered long enough? Haven't you suffered for what somebody else did to you long enough? Isn't it time to be free? I'll say it again, unforgiveness, it doesn't come naturally. It's unnatural. It's not the way I'm wired. I have a tough time with it at times, but then I go back to this. How dare me? And not only how dare me, but I had a false assumption that my withholding forgiveness from somebody is to punish them. It's punishing me. So do something for yourself, which I hate to say that because, trust me, we live in a society where people have no problem doing for self. That's what we do most of the time. Now, we're going to get to some fill-ins. That's the introduction. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Let me share with you four barriers that keep us linked to unforgiveness, that keep us firing up the Roomba, all right? Here's the first one, the self-deception barrier. The self-deception, we deceive ourselves, we rationalize. And do you realize when you rationalize, you're really telling rational lies? We lie to ourselves, we deceive ourselves. You say, (laughs) you know what I did to that person? I mean, like, that was no big deal. I mean, they totally overreacted. That's not even what I meant. They're just an emotional basket case anyway. That was a long time ago. They should have gotten over that over years and years ago. Can't believe that they, they told you that. Listen, before you point a finger, we've all done that. You know how many times some of us have told the same story over and 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 over? How many, how many times we've told different people what so-and-so did, how they were treated, how they were mistreated, this and that and this and that, and we, listen, in our minds, we got every detail down. First of all, let me tell you, your mind is not that good. Second of all, you, you don't even recognize where you're going when you're doing that. You're the one with the $10 million debt wiped clean if you know Jesus. Why in the world would you keep throwing somebody else under the bus, under the bus, under the bus, under the bus, under the bus? It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. You're just dragging the Roomba. And you're walking in it every day. Isn't that fun? (laughs) Another barrier is the self-defense barrier. Boy, that's one we love. That's probably, if I had to pick one, that's probably my favorite, which sounds horrible because none of these are good. We say, I'm going to get you back. You messed me around. You hurt me. If I don't do anything else the rest of my life, I'm going to see that you pay. I've been there. I've done that. Remember, I told you for at least a year, this person that hurt me and my family, I was bound and determined. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to pray that God's going to get him back. I want to see some revenge. I want to see him suffer a little bit. God, would you take care of this? Wasn't hurting him. 
It's hurting me. You ever stop to realize this? For forgiveness is, is a great act of faith. Forgiveness, giving forgiveness is an act of faith. Because when I offer you forgiveness, whether you ask for it or not, A, I'm not just doing it for you, I'm doing it for me. I'm freeing me up because why would I continue to hurt myself because of something you did to me, right? But when I offer you forgiveness, whether you even know it or not, hopefully, if you're around, I would tell you, that what I'm really saying is that I cancel that debt. I, I forgive you, I release you, and I release me. What I'm really saying in faith is, God, you're the ultimate judge. God, we're all human beings. God, I'm giving this situation to you because I know I've done that same thing or things like that or similar that I don't even know that I've done to other people. So God, I trust you. And God, I'm grateful for what you did to me, so how could I not pass along what I don't deserve but I've received? How can I withhold that from somebody else? Romans 12, 19, this is, I love this. Do not take revenge, my friends. Oops. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Yeah, but they started it. Yeah, but they don't even know you, God. They don't even have a Bible. Release them. Do you realize Jesus died for your sins before you ever recognized he did? Some of you still don't know that yet, but you will. Hopefully you're hearing that today. That when he died on that cross and shed his blood and he buried him in a borrowed tomb and three days later he defeated death, he provided an opportunity for every single human being that ever will be created to have their debt canceled and to be a recipient of the gift that you can't earn or purchase or buy or deserve, eternal life. God's got this. Number three, the self-image barrier. <laughs> you know, for some of us, we have a hard time admitting we are wrong. I didn't mean that. Why would you take it that way? That's not what I said. That's not what I did. You're the one that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, don't you understand who I am? I'm up here and you're down here. Do you know there's people that have went their whole life and never said I'm sorry to someone? Oh, I know, it's one of them. That's, that's, that's the person I'm talking about. <laughs> We're some of those people. Come on. Well, I'm not like that. Okay. But you still owe a debt that you can't pay. Your only hope is receiving forgiveness totally from Christ. So once you receive that, how dare you, how dare me to not pass along and thus punish me? Number four, the self-protection barrier. The self-protection barrier. I'm just going to protect myself from now on. I will never, ever allow someone to get that close to me again so they can hurt me like that. I'm not even going to ask if you've ever thought that or said that. You're not hurting someone else. You're hurting you. 
We were built for closeness. We were built for relationships. Some of you are breaking out into a cold sweat, just this whole subject, because you're like, okay, what's, is that, am I supposed to go to this person? Is he going to want me challenge us to write a note or to do whatever? Unleashing unforgiveness doesn't come natural. But God wants to do his work. God wants to release us. We've been tied up too long. We've been bouncing wall to wall and going into every environment, spreading the stuff for years. Haven't you paid long enough? Some of you are still stuck on the Roomba story. The, the mess, the smell, I get it. But I want you to think of what God wants to do in your life. He's saying, listen, I'm the carpet cleaner. I'm the floor cleaner. I'm the professional that can come in and take what's been spread for years or hours all over from wall to wall, place to place, and I can take care of it because I did it on the cross. Listen, if you know Christ, he's already taken care of the problem and we've been dealing with something and holding something back from other people without even recognizing what we're doing. Haven't you paid long enough? Wouldn't you like some freedom that you never thought would come? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do something, whether you're at home or you're in this room, and then we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to take your hands right now and I'm going to ask you to make two fists. And I want you to look at your fist for a second. And now I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, even if you're at home. Keep those fists clenched. Bow your head, close your eyes, would you? You see, so often in my life as I pray, <laughs> I've found that at times if I'll do something physically as signs, as reminders to myself of what God wants to do or is doing, it's helpful for me. So with your fists clenched and your eyes closed, I, I want your closed fist to represent something that you've been holding on to. I want you to think about that person, that situation, that circumstance. You know what the word forgive means? It means to release. It means to hurl. Not, not to throw up, but to let it go. You know what the word resentment means? It means to think again. And again, and again, and again, and again. It's like that Roomba. For some of you, you've been going through the same things in your mind over and over and over for years and years and years. And more than, more likely than not, it's, it's a person. It's a family. It's a boss. It's an ex. It's a parent. A neighbor. You haven't maybe even seen them in years. Maybe you have. Maybe you see them every day. Maybe you haven't seen them for years, but they're, they've taken up a permanent residence in your mind and it affects you every day. 
You're spreading stuff everywhere you go. I want you to think about them right now being in those hands. Some of you just squeeze a little tighter. But what I want you to do today is just unclench your fists and say, God, I forgive them. I release them. I release me. I'm canceling their debt. And I believe I'm doing what you want me to do. Because I want to discover the best that you have for my life. And here I'm thinking I've been punishing them all these years. And quite honestly, I've been punishing me. So God, I just open up my hands to you. There's nothing in them. Would you just do that physically if you haven't? And just say to God, God, I let it go. God, I let go. Would you just say that out loud? God, I let go. God, I let go. And you trust him. And if you wonder if you've done the right thing, go back to Matthew 18 and read that story. God's doing some wonderful things, and he will in your heart and lights. And I'm just going to ask if you'd join me in thanking him with your hands for sharing his word with us today. Would you bow your heads once again? Father, I thank you for this church family. God, the fact that Crossroads Church is not a place for perfect people. It's a place, it's a hospital for sinners. God, I thank you that you're here with us today. You're with everyone wherever they're watching from today. For some, God, this is going to be a freeing day. And for some, they're still going to have some wrestling going on because it just doesn't seem right doesn't seem fair. And the truth of the matter is it's not because God, I deserve to die and spend eternity separated from you for what I've done. But you and your love sent your son to die in my place to take the punishment that I deserved on himself. And then he defeated death and he offered me eternal life. And almost 40 years ago, Jesus, I received that gift who am I to not pass that on to others? If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, today's your day. You can be forgiven of everything. No longer held against you, canceled. Be a recipient of the greatest gift you've ever been offered, eternal life, heaven life that starts the moment you give your life to Christ for the rest of the life that you have in this body and for all eternity. And you can't earn it or deserve it. If that's you today, make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, I don't understand it all, but as best I know how, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done many things wrong. And today I make a choice to turn from my sin and to turn to you as my only hope. The one who was so loving, you sent your son to live and to die. He lived perfectly and he was crucified for what I've done wrong. He defeated the grave on the third day and he offers me a gift. Jesus, I accept your gift today. Come into my heart and life. Forgive me of all I've done wrong from this day forward. I want to live for you. I want to represent you. 
I'm not all about me anymore. I've got a bigger role. I want to tell others about your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Use me from this day forward. May I be an active part in a church family. Point others to you. God, we say thanks, which doesn't even seem close to enough for what you've done. Thanks for your word. Thanks for loving us. We give you all the praise because you deserve it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said and everybody typed. Amen. Amen. Hey, earlier you heard about baptism. Listen, if you just gave your life to Christ, your next step is baptism. What is baptism? Does baptism wash your sins away? No. Jesus' blood washes your sins away once you receive him by faith. If you just receive Jesus by faith, your sins have been washed by his blood that he shed on that cross. You are a child of God once you receive him. But he, people don't know what went on unless you tell someone. They may know later by your actions, but they're not going to know unless you tell them. Baptism is a way to tell people publicly. Here's what happened in my heart that you couldn't see. I gave my heart to Jesus. He forgave me and washed all my sins away. When we stand in the baptismal water, it's a picture of the old me dying. That's why you stand there like you're dead. We put you under the water signifying, signifying just as Jesus was shed his blood and was buried. He came after three days to newness of life. It's a picture of what happened in your heart that people can't see. It's just done outwardly. Listen, if you just gave your life to Christ, baptism's coming up August the 15th. We got a class that just informational, let you know how to be prepared for that on the 8th. You can sign up at the What's Happening Center, those of you here in person. If you're at home, go to the C3 app. You can sign up there. If you, what if you gave your life to Christ 20 years ago? Nobody ever taught you about baptism. You can't do it any sooner. You don't even have to pray, God, I want, I'll do it if God, he's already said he wants you to do it. It's your next step. Do that today. We'll celebrate that with you. Next week, we're going to continue in this favorites message series. And uh, all I can tell you is this. If you miss out next week, you're going to really miss out. That's all I'm going to tell you. Bring someone with you. Invite someone. Join them, 930, 1115. If you absolutely can't be here or you can't be here, 9.30 is a live stream. Bring someone with you. God bless. Listen, don't forget. Don't forget this story. But most of all, don't forget the God who says we don't have to live like this anymore. Be free. God bless.